You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Portland, because that is where I am recording tonight's episode from. Not joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Obviously, you all just heard that Frank is in the great state of Wisconsin and also traveling back to his home in Texas. And I'm in Portland and in Pacific time, and our schedules did not work out in any way. Uh, so that is just gonna kind of have to be what it is. That's okay. We'll figure it out, uh, as the road trip goes on. We'll see if we can record one, uh, late on Tuesday night after the Blazers play the Bucks. That's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Bucks uniforms and then just kind of some of the other things going on with the team and, I guess kind of where I want to start today is we can start with the jerseys. Uh, the Bucks released the first official images of their city jerseys. Uh, these are something that had kind of leaked last week, uh, and it kind of just saw the tops of the jerseys. Um, you didn't see anything. You didn't see the the bottom at all. You didn't see the shorts. Um, I mean, you can, you can look them up and you can take a look at the picture of them, but you know, just generally, uh, there's kind of a, a red quadrant, a yellow quadrant, a gold bottom half of the top. Uh, there's the bucks letters vertically instead of horizontally. Uh, then a 22 in dark green, uh, kind of the same thing with, uh, same color as the the Bucks, written vertically. Then a Harley Davidson logo, and then, I mean, I think as as I said on Twitter, uh, you know, I think the best part is probably the shorts. Uh, these are going to be worn for the first time on November uh, November nineteenth. So that'll be the first game that you actually get to see them this season, and. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm bad at jerseys. I will just generally say that uh, November nineteenth. That's a Monday night against the Nuggets, and I don't know. I I don't think I love the tops, um, but I think it's just because I'm not really like seeing anyone playing them. I think there's at least a chance that you know once you get to see them you'll maybe like them a little bit more. But I think the shorts are really awesome. Uh, The shorts are yellow colored. uh, Waistband is gold. Then on the bottom, you have green and blue and then the word Milwaukee across it. And like it's, it's, to me, it's a more effective homage to the Mecca than the upper 
portion of the jerseys. Like I understand that that like was kind of the goal was you know throw it back to the mecca and you know kind of think about the the incredible court that Robert Indiana made, but. I think the shorts do it a little bit more effectively, and maybe it's just because it's cleaner and you can kind of see it pop uh, just as a standstill. So I'm I'm curious what they'll look like going forward. Um, I think most of the the kind of reaction I've seen to them, and again, it's uh, I think 6:35 Central, 4:35 Pacific right now. So I mean, I think most people have gotten a chance to react to them. They it seems negative. I don't think people people love them. Um, but also, I'm trying to think back to last year. I don't know that people loved the cream ones either. Um, this feels like a little bit more of a swing for the fences than the cream ones. Like uh, you kind of think back to the Utah jerseys from last year, where it was just like a totally different color palette, colors that you've never really seen the team wear before, and that's kind of what this is for the Bucks. Um, which is kind of exciting. Like I, I don't. I've never seen those colors on a Bucks jersey before. So um, I think it's at least kind of interesting. Um, I want to see them in action. I'll just say that. Like I, I'm. I'm not gonna fail them until I see that. Um, because, like I said, I think the shorts look cool, and you know, I think maybe as an ensemble, there's at least an outside chance that they look cool. But first glance, don't like the tops, like the bottoms. And we'll see if it comes together and looks okay once you get it out on the floor. Um, and also, I'd be curious, you know, if people if people would want to wear these. Because I don't know how people wear jerseys. I'm not a jersey wearer. Um, but when I did when I was younger, like, I was always looking for cool, obscure jerseys. And I got to say, this one's pretty obscure. This is uh, unlike any other Bucks jersey. So, you know, if you want a very unique look, like this would be, to me, this would be a good example of a very unique look. But also, what do you wear it with? You have gold and yellow and red and green uh, all on this jersey. I'd, I don't know. I don't know how people, like I said, I don't know how people wear basketball jerseys. We've had this conversation a number of times, um, but I am curious, you know, if pe- are you into it? Are you not into it? You can let me know on Twitter, uh, obviously at Eric underscore name or at Locked On Bucks. But uh, it feels it feels ambitious, but ultimately a miss. But I need to see it. Like I, I need to physically see it and, and maybe it, it'll pop a, a little bit when you actually see it out on the floor. But that is all I can really say about that for now. Now, Bucks Blazers on Tuesday. And I think what I'm really interested about in this game is that We've talked about kind of the ways that teams can hurt the Bucks. Uh, we've seen the Celtics obviously hurt the Bucks defensively. We've seen the Hornets do it as well. And I think when when you look at this Blazers team, I think they have a really interesting they have an interesting ability to kind of poke at the things in the Bucks scheme that we've seen get poked at before. 
and like they don't really have the pick and pop bigs that that the Celtics do, you know, in uh, in Morris and in um, in Al Horford. Like they don't have those guys, but what they do have is two guys that that can really hurt you off the dribble. And especially from three. And we saw Kemba Walker really have a lot of success with that. And uh, you're going to see Dame Lillard and you're going to see CJ McCollum have a chance to do that to the Bucks on Tuesday. And to me, it is something that is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on because they do have that pull-up ability that, you know, if Eric Bledsoe, if Dante DiVincenzo, if Tony Snell, whoever it may be, really fights over the top, like they have been all year, forcing them into the mid-range, they can pull up from three. They can, you know, clear that screen and then still kind of stop short and pull up from three uh, before Brooke Lopez can get out there, before Sonny Silva can get out there. So they have a chance to to mess with the Bucks a little bit there. And I'm just, I'm I'm wondering if if that will be something that they're able to do. And then I think the other thing that's interesting is when you look at, you know, some of the, some of the bigs that they have, Nurkic isn't like that pick and pop big, uh, but you know what he is is a guy that can kind of make some plays in that in between, and you know you can drop guys back, but if he's just kicking it over to the other corner, you know maybe that can cause a little bit of trouble. Zach Collins has had some moments uh, doing that as well, and he's kind of flashed a little bit of that as well. Um, so I, I don't know this this Blazers team to me brings up a really interesting problem in that that's just something that could really hurt the Bucks. that Lillard and McCollum out front could really end up hurting this team. And I think it's going to be a, a tough test for the Bucks to try to figure out if they can actually uh, put together the stops that they need, if they can actually uh, get stops against this team because this Blazers team is going to make it really difficult on them. And I think that's going to be fun to watch. The other thing with this Blazers team, they're fifth overall in defense as well. So this is a team that is really good on both sides of the ball. And, and that hasn't always been the case. Uh, obviously, you know, they can put up some points offensively, but, you know, at times you could just kind of get in a shootout with them and that would be the way to go. Uh, but they've been good defensively this year as well. And it's just another one of those teams at the top of the Western Conference outside of the Warriors, of course. But, you know, like the Nuggets, another team that the Bucks are going to see on this road, road trip, They've been great defensively. The Nuggets are third defensively. The Blazers, uh, quite a bit worse in a points per possession kind of way. Uh, look at the defensive rating for the Nuggets is 100.9. The Bucks are at 100.1. Uh, the Blazers are all, are all the way down at 104.6. So there's kind of like a top three with the Celtics, Bucks, and Nuggets for defensive rating at the moment. And then kind of the, the next tier, and the Blazers are in that next tier. Um, but that's a top five defense and a top five offense, and that's why they're seven and three thus far on the season. So I think it's going to be a really tough game and a really interesting game uh, to kind of watch this Bucks team and see what they can do against another good team. And we're going to see that throughout this road trip. But uh, you know, for for us playing trick or treat last week, for us, you know kind of talking about after that Kings game, like, okay, this is maybe more real than not real. This is going to be a really good test for that. It's really going to push this Bucks team in 
we're gonna have to see kind of how it how it all goes because uh they they've played some good teams and again you can only play the teams that you can play and you can beat them up like the bucks have but you know they're gonna have to have to really get tested and see what they can do here. So I think that's going to be really interesting and ultimately pretty fun to watch uh, coming up on Tuesday. So um, outside of the game-specific stuff, um, just some other stuff I've kind of been thinking about and, and kind of how this Bucks team works. And I thought it was really interesting listening to Pat Connaughton after the game against the Kings because I asked him a question about, you know, like you're a guy that played 82 last year. Like you played every game, played 20 minutes a game, and you start the season and you're not in the rotation. Like, you know, how do you kind of get through that and figure out maybe I, I'm not a rotation player anymore. Maybe I, I made the wrong choice in coming to Milwaukee. Maybe... I should have gone elsewhere. Like all those things could go through your mind. And he kind of just kind of brushed it off and said, you know, like I've learned to be even keel throughout my time in the NBA. That's something I learned in Portland. And uh, obviously now he's going to get a chance to go back up against the team that uh, ultimately didn't end up resigning him last year um, or before this year, excuse me. So he, he, there may be some hashtag Pat Connaughton revenge game uh, going on in this one. Uh, obviously it's going to be in limited minutes, but uh it's just kind of interesting to me that you've watched this Bucks team, and especially the role guys, you've really watched them come into their own in the last four or five games. And it obviously starts with Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, you know, like as as you've talked, to, as I've talked to Malcolm a little bit, like you know, he he's kind of figured out his role. He understands that, you know, there's going to be times when he has that bench unit with him where he's got to make sure that he's a scorer. There's got there's going to be times when he's out there with the starters where he's not going to get those opportunities, but he still has to be aggressive. And, and I think that's been the big thing for him is that, you know, when he is out there with the starters, nothing should change. And I know he's talked about how he needs to be more aggressive and that's kind of the the change that he made after those first couple of games and why I think that is interesting is because you know it doesn't totally add up that at those moments you should be you should be the same amount of aggressive because there's all those scores out on the floor with you so in those moments you should defer more right like you have all these talented scores defer find a way to get them involved find a way to get Giannis the ball find a way to get Chris a great shot find a way to get uh Eric Bledsoe moving towards the basket like you're thinking through all of these ways to get those people involved and really the only thing that you need to worry about is how you get yourself involved and it's just kind of it's kind of a mental game where it's really tough to to figure out exactly how all that should work because, you know, we've talked about this before this season. We talked about, you know, why Tony Snell might make more sense because he doesn't need the ball as much. And, you know, okay, he, he can handle fewer shots and Brogdon should go with the bench unit and he can really help out there. And, uh, you know, they don't need his shot creating as much with the starting unit. And I think kind of what we we might have misinterpreted was just how important it is that everyone on the floor 
is a threat. And uh, I know I saw Eddie Joseph tweet about this, the uh, I think last night, actually, um, after that Kings game. And he said, you know, the thing that stands out about the Bucks is obviously the threes, right? You, you see 52 threes and, uh, or excuse me, 56 threes, 22 makes, and you're going to, you're immediately going to go to that. But the thing he mentioned was, you know, what really stands out to me is they have four guys that can beat you off the dribble at any moment. And when you think about that Bucks starting lineup with Bledsoe, with Brogdon, with Middleton, with Giannis, that's really impressive and difficult to have four guys that can break you down off the dribble. And I know we we tend to give Malcolm a hard time for over dribbling and you know being uh, being a little bit too willing to find a way to make a move off the dribble, but in doing so. He's really probing what the other team's probably third or fourth best perimeter defender. Like he's probably gonna get the best matchups because you know you're gonna want to put your your quickest guard on blood. So you're gonna want to put you know your probably longest best defender on Middleton to try to make it difficult from three, and that leaves the other guy right. When you think about these teams defensively, like who can actually stay with those guys. And that's why it's so important that Brogdon is aggressive and so important that he is willing to attack because if he's just probing, those good defenders kind of get a chance to catch their breath to make sure that they can get closer to their initial matchups. While if it swings immediately to Brogdon and he's able to attack, they're put into a really tough position because they know how good the player they have is. They know what they need to do. Uh, they they need to stop their guy, but also Malcolm Brogdon's about to blow by these other guys for a layup. And uh, I think this is this is kind of what we've been talking about with the spacing and Giannis. So, you know, you put four shooters around him, he's going to have all the space. But all those same things can be true for just about anyone in the lineup. When you do have this four outlook, every time someone on your team gets a catch, if they are willing to attack and if they are ready to attack, they are going to have a chance at getting an easy look they're going to have a chance at getting to the basket because that defense is working so hard. That defense is doing everything in their power to find a way to stop those other guys, and the ball keeps moving and players keep moving, and they're just trying to play catch-up, and it becomes really difficult. And I just think it, the fact that he was able to make that adjustment so quickly, just four or five games into the season, he kind of flipped the switch and got aggressive again and was able to start scoring again. But, you know, like the fact that he kind of figured that out is just huge for this Bucks team because then really when you look at that team, the only guy that can't beat you off the dribble is probably Brooke Lopez. And even he has shown that if you close out too hard, he can make a little move. He can take a dribble and then make a pass and make himself a threat. Like we saw, I mean, the first bucket of the Bucks preseason was a poster dunk from Brooke Lopez uh, on an up fake that he had in the left-hand corner and then drove to the basket and dunked on Jabari Parker. Like all those guys have to be threats. And I think it's, it's a really nice job, a really nice adjustment by Malcolm Brogdon to realize I need to attack. I need to be aggressive because if I do that, Defenses literally can't take a moment off against us. They, they cannot take a moment off when I have the ball. Because if I'm just out there dribbling, then they can catch their breath. Then they can find a way to get their hands on Chris Middleton. They can find their a way to bump Giannis. Like they can find a way to fight through for post position. Whatever it may be, they can 
catch their breath when Malcolm Brogdon has the ball if he's not willing to attack. But if he is willing to attack, all of those things become incredibly difficult for the defense because they just they can't keep up. And I just think a really big adjustment for them uh, has been Malcolm kind of figuring that out in the last little while. On top of that, you know, I mentioned that it isn't just Malcolm that after the first four or five games was figured out. I mean, I think it was kind of everyone. Like, Tony Snell uh, is is kind of back to being Tony Snell in a more limited role. He's shooting 46% from three, uh, only three attempts per game uh, for him, but he's playing 16 minutes per game. And, you know, if you... If you extrapolate that, if you extrapolate that out to a per thirty-six, that's six point eight threes per thirty-six minutes, uh, and you, all of a sudden you have a guy that's really stretching the floor. And I think with him, the attack has been big again. Uh, you think to that Celtics game, a couple of the plays that he made, the ones that were kind of surprising or impressive, were him being able to kind of get to the basket uh, was him able to finish an and one with his left hand. Like it was him able to find a way. And again, it's all about being a threat at all times with Tony Snell. Like, you know, it, there's been times where he struggled with, with the quickness of his trigger, where uh, he has passed up looks at times when his confidence has waned, but it feels like, it feels like we are back to that moment where, you know, if Tony Snell gets a, a look, he's going to let it go. And that is ultimately kind of doing the same thing as Malcolm Brogdon. Like, Tony Snell's not going to beat people off the dribble as much as Malcolm Brogdon does. But if his shot is consistently a threat and teams have to close him out, his gravity becomes that much more important and he's able to you know, he's able to make plays. It can just be a really big thing for that offense to have Tony Snell working again, finding a way to make himself something, make himself something to that the rest of the, the opponents, like where they have to cover him. And again, you, you continue to go down that list, and Dante DiVincenzo is another guy who you know, at times wasn't quite ready to shoot. You know, he hasn't shot the best percentage from three at uh, 28.6%. Still concerning, like he's got to make threes. Um, But he is finding a way to always be ready to shoot it. And uh, I mean, again, this could be a scouting report that eventually catches up with him if he doesn't start hitting threes. But at the moment you saw in that Celtics game and Dante talked about us, talked about this uh, after the game uh, on Saturday, he had said that, you know, the Celtics made an adjustment where they were closing us out short. And what he means by that was they would close you out as a shooter, but essentially they were closing you out for the drive. And a lot of guys weren't making the adjustment of just rising up and shooting and, that was something he did in that Celtics game. And again, that's how this offense has to function. Like, you can't be passing up open looks. You can't be passing up open shots. And to DiVincenzo's credit, whether or not he's making them at the moment, and again, this can catch up to you. Teams can figure it out. If you act like a shooter, there's still a lot of times where teams treat you like a shooter. It's it's a weird thing that the brain does. And, you know, you see it with Marcus Smart all the time he's very he's clearly not a good three-point shooter 
but teams still treat him in that way because he's willing to put up those shots. He's willing to play with that confidence. And no matter how many times you read the scum report to say, don't close him out, don't go all the way out there, you go all the way out there because that one, that's how your brain works. You've been trained your entire life that, hey, you have to close out shooters. And well, sometimes you you're, you just forget it becomes instinctual that you're going to go close out that shooter and you don't need to because he's not a shooter. Uh, but I just think when you go through all this and Pat Connaughton goes into this as well, that he's willing to shoot it when he comes in, he's going to get it up. And obviously he has a very pretty shot. He's shooting 40%, uh, 42% from three. So he is very much a shooter, but all of these things together in concert make the bucks that much more difficult to cover because you don't get to take time off. And that is, to me, just the biggest thing that we've seen through four or five games. And it is part of the reason why when people ask, is this is this sustainable? Can the Bucks keep doing this? There's no way. You know, they, they can't keep playing this well. You know, it's an unsustainable hot start. I just keep finding myself saying, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I think it is perfectly sustainable. I think there there are still moments where they can get better. I think there's still ways in which they can continue to get stronger uh, as they find, you know, the actions that they like, as they find the configurations that they like, as they find the the shots that they like. Like all of those things, this Bucks team is still figuring out. And even as they're figuring it out, they're still scoring a whole bunch of points. <laughs> they're still finding a way to really go out there and impact games and really put it on teams. And I just think it, it's been so big for this team that, you know, everyone is a threat. And one way that you can see it, and this isn't, I mean, look at the look at the starting five right now on a per-game basis. And, you know, per-game stuff may, may not always be the best way to judge things, but per game, Giannis averages 26.1. Middleton averages 19.2 points per game. Bledsoe averages 13.6. Brogdon averages 13.3. And Brooke Lopez averages 10.8 points per game. That's really difficult to cover. Now let's go to assists. Assists per game. Eric Bledsoe, 6.2. Giannis Dedekumbo, 5.9. Chris Middleton, 3.9. Malcolm Brogdon, 3.6. Brooke Lopez, 1. Again, those aren't there's no there's no guy in there like you know uh, a John Wall where he's he's going to be the one that only creates looks. Giannis creates a lot of great looks. Eric Bledsoe is also creating a bunch of good looks. Chris Middleton a lot of good looks. Malcolm Brogdon a lot of good looks, and it just speaks to the idea that everyone is a threat, and that is what this Bucks team is looking for. So, I think in the on this West Coast road trip, you're going to see the defense tested. Because they are teams that can beat what their scheme likes to do. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen in this 82-game season. That's going to happen as you play against all other 29 teams. There's going to be teams that just straight up can beat your scheme because of the personnel that they have, because of the way that they play basketball. And I think we've seen from Mike Boonholzer, obviously on Saturday he talked to us about this a lot, and I tweeted out some of the quotes. Like He thinks even more so than other teams. A lot of teams say this, but he thinks his teams go to an even higher level on this is they worry about themselves. They're not going to game plan for other teams. And uh, 
Bud is quick to remind me every time I ask about the other team that, you know, I don't watch as much film as you think I do. I, I don't watch as much of these other teams as maybe you think I should. Whatever it may be, like, I worry about us and how we're playing. And that's kind of what this Bucks team is going to do. So I think I kind of want to set the scene that, you know, you can see it offensively. They continue to get better. They continue to understand this system. And I think defensively, you can see the same thing, that they do understand what they're after, what they're trying to do. But offense, you get to dictate. Defense, you're reacting. So if offensively you're dictating and you're getting better and better at it, okay, that's going to work out all the time. But if defensively you're getting better and better at your system, but there are a couple teams out there that have personnel or strategy that specifically exploit it, I don't think we're going to see this Bud team adjust to it all that quickly. And we saw it against the Celtics. Bud largely waited until the fourth quarter until we saw Brooke Lopez come out up to the level of the ball screen until we saw Ursan do some of that until we saw him take out Brooke Lopez entirely uh, from the game. Like All of those things happened late. And, you know, again, I... I Frank and I had this conversation again when we saw each other in person. Um, but, you know, Frank was was still like, I don't know. I, I don't know how you believe which thing is right or which thing is wrong. And I said, you know, I don't know that I have an opinion on what's right or wrong because I've never had the task of putting together a scheme and teaching that scheme and making sure my systems were run right. Like I've never had that task as a, as an NBA basketball coach. And obviously Mike Boonholzer has that right now. Um, so I, I don't know which is better like to, you know, probably put your team in some tough spots as another team takes advantage of you or to go out there and actually, you know, say, okay, we're specifically game planning for this. Samuel Gillet, we're never covering you. Marcus Smart, we're going underneath all these screens. We're not going to switch because that's not something that we really believe in, but, you know, we're going to do all of these team-specific things that are going to slow you down, or we're going to run our defense and see what you can do against it. So I I just kind of, at the start of this road trip, I want to remind folks, that's on the record, that is what Mike Boonholzer says he believes in, that... It's more important to teach scheme and system at this point than to specifically game plan for teams. And there's no telling if that's what he'll believe in the playoffs. We we haven't had a playoff series with him uh, with the Bucks. And again, I don't know how much previous uh, previous tendencies can kind of play into this because you know maybe he's changed his way of thinking since being in Atlanta and uh, since some of the playoff series that they've flamed out in. Uh, so maybe maybe he will totally disregard that and as the season comes to a close, start working on very specific things that uh, apply to very specific teams. So that might happen, but I do want to remind folks that that Celtics game happened the way it did because largely on defense they said scheme over game plan that that was pretty much what they said and I think you're going to see the same thing on this road trip so that probably means there's going to be some some threes that are given up to Dame Lillard because Eric Bledsoe went over the top of a screen and then Brooke Lopez dropped and then they were kind of in no man's land like that's probably gonna happen I'm just gonna tell you that's most likely going to happen and against the Warriors you're gonna see that as well uh I, it's going to be really fun to watch them and how they defend split cuts uh, because that's just like a totally different action that other teams aren't running. But 
it could happen against the Warriors. And then uh, Clippers and Nuggets, maybe not as much, but still Jokic is a handful and could present some unique challenges that aren't specific to kind of what the Bucks are working on with their scheme and their system. So um, before the before it all got started, I kind of wanted to talk about that and just kind of, you know, take you guys through the idea that this team is improving, this team is getting better, but that doesn't mean there can't be bumps in the road and there can't be bumps in the road in specific ways because we're going to see all of those things. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of my point today. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the jerseys, wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things going on with this team, what's going on with the Blazers and what to expect in that one. So, um, it should be a good one on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, after the game, I'm going to try my hardest to make the the short trip from my hotel over to Moda Center and then Moda Center back to my hotel, get here, record a podcast with Frank and get it up. But also that could be really late for Frank and maybe it'll just be me again. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But happy that you were here with me for today. So for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.